It's Tuesday, October 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Simon Erickson. Happy Tuesday, gents. Back Hello at there, it again. Chris. It's a happy Tuesday, unless you're Warren Buffett. And we'll get to why in a moment. But the earnings palooza rolls on. We've got Apple, McDonald's, Coca Cola, Chipotle. Let's start with Apple, their fourth quarter. A lot of numbers, Simon. I'll just pick out. 39.3 million iPhones sold, and for all the devices they sell, when you look at how much operating profit is being generated by the iPhone, it's all about the iPhone with this company. That's right. It's the bread and the butter of the business. They, they knocked it out of the part and beat expectations. Uh, it's up 16% year over year. You know, and Chris, this is, a, this is largely driven by really good sales of the iPhone 6. Unexpectedly, you know, this is we don't have concrete numbers year to date, but we did see that they sold 10 million during the first weekend. That's kind of an all time record for any of the iPhone models. And it's continuing to improve margins and getting a higher selling price than previous models. So I think that Apple's doing a good job of, of getting the market excited about the next new toy. You say unexpectedly, and you're right about that, but I don't know why it's unexpectedly, Jason. I mean, I when, when it comes to the iPhone, I, I don't know why. Anyone, any analyst on Wall Street, any prognosticator in the financial media would look at a new iteration of the iPhone and think, well, they're not going to sell this, when time and time again they have. I mean, I I wasn't one of those who fell in the unexpected camp. I mean, I I saw this coming plain as day. Like, it was obvious. You had this huge installed base of iPhone 4s and 4Ss out there, people who are ready, you know, to to move up. I mean, I'm I'm one of them, right? I've got a 4S and getting ready to bump up to a 6. So, to me, it it looked like there was a tremendous opportunity here. And I saw some estimates, uh, you know, well past the 39 million uh, mark. And actually, you know, we go into this holiday season, I'm I'm certain we'll see more. But uh, yeah, I I think you you keyed in on it. It's it's all about the iPhone for these guys. And I mean, conversely, you look at uh, sales of iPads, they continue to dwindle. And and the the replacement cycle is just not the same with those tablets. I mean, I have my iPad here. This is a third generation, and I've had it for I don't know three years now, maybe going on three years. There's no reason for me whatsoever to replace this thing. Uh, But but phones, yeah, you're going to see those uh, continue to cycle in and cycle out. They keep on perfecting them, and now. Uh, Apple Pay, I think, is going to be an interesting sort of carrot uh, to to maybe you know compel folks who are on the fence whether it's an Android device or an Apple device. Maybe they feel like well, they want to give an Apple device to try with that iPay Apple Pay thing. But uh, but yeah, I mean this is uh, this is right online. Shares of Apple up about two percent today. It's within a few cents of uh, an all time high. What's the valuation on this stock? Because I it it. Despite the run, and it's had a great run over the last year or so, it still strikes me as a stock that is not overvalued. Um, talking valuation for Apple is a two-beer conversation at minimum, <laughs> Chris. Uh, there is a, a, wow, a wide. I, all I have is coffee. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I didn't quite. Time is it? it depends who you're talking to and what the day is. But it's let's five o'clock a, Sunday. Let's, say, let's, close let's look at a, a couple numbers. This is a business that's cranking out 13 billion dollars a quarter in cash now. They're now sitting on 155 billion dollars of cash in the bank, and they've got a capital return program of 130 billion dollars in place, of which still remains. Uh, $36 billion within the next five quarters that they're going to return to shareholders. It's a company that's paying out almost 2% dividend, and they, they accelerated their repurchases this quarter, which is another sign that management thinks that the stock is undervalued. Um, 
I think there's still plenty of growth for this company. And if you look at, you know, like Jason was pointing out, some of the newer products, they've got the products that are selling. They're also really dedicated now to returning some of that money to shareholders. McDonald's third quarter profit came in much lower than expected. And yes, Jason, some of that was due to um, more than a few one-time charges. But even, even when you sort of back that out, you look at global same-store sales down more than 3%. It's hard to see a silver lining for McDonald's right now. Yeah, forget about the earnings number. I mean, we want to look at comps with this company and uh, you know, North American comps, global comps, you know, negative 3.3%. I mean, it's just and, and they're projecting October's uh, comps to, to come in negative as well. So, you know, there are McDonald's is facing so many challenges right now. I mean, the quality of the food is obviously being questioned rightly. So, I would say uh, they have zero pricing power. And uh, and I think there's a stigma associated with that brand that while they played it out for a long time as a competitive advantage, I think I think it's it's starting to create a few headwinds for them now because you know when they try to make that leap into offering, uh, you know, sort of expanding that menu with with more healthy items or just items that are generally uh, seen as better for you, they still. You know the consumer still has a tough time making that leap that I can go get something from McDonald's that's actually going to be decent for me or made with ingredients that are more on par with something like Chipotle or Panera. Uh, so you know, I mean, what do you do here? I mean, just Don Thompson's in a really tough bind. Um, and, you know, they're working out this three-pronged approach to try to fix things and uh, three steps here: McDonald's experience of the future and revamping the menu and the stores, uh, a digital strategy. Uh, and then resourcing for growth, and essentially all of this is code for we got a lot of restructuring and a lot of money that's going to be spent here to try to figure this problem out. And even then, I don't know that that takes care of it. Uh, so for me, I look at McDonald's. I think it's great they raised the dividend. They raised the dividend five percent, and that yields like three point seven percent. It's a great little income play if you're looking for an income play. But I don't see a whole heck of a lot of growth on the on the, on the horizon for this company. And and uh, so I, I think that you know investors looking at this stock need to keep that in mind. I wonder to what extent, if any. They are looking at throughput as a way to juice their returns because one thing that does not require um, dealing with any of the challenges you just laid out, which I, I agree with you, I think those are significant challenges. If they could just figure out a way to make the process more efficient, so they they can get more people through the line more quickly, then I I could see I could see a little bit of a boost to the bottom line, but. But even then, I don't. It still doesn't deal with all the challenges yeah, you mentioned. Yeah, possibly. I mean, but throughput implies that the stores are crowded, which they're not. You know, I mean, you could see that in their operating profit. I mean, operating profit's down fourteen percent, and so I mean, you have a lot of fixed costs to keep these restaurants open on a daily basis. But when the traffic is lighter, then you see profitability dwindle really fast, and so we see that in the operating profit there, which just tells us traffic's not very good. Comps are down, operating profits down, and so yeah, I think that with the Chipotle, for example, we can focus on throughput because those stores are constantly crowded, and they are working on that all the time to figure out how to get people through that line. McDonald's has done a pretty good job as far as the efficiency side of things. I mean, they have, I think, the automatic drink fillers, and there's not a whole heck of a lot involved with dipping a basket of fries in the hot oil. Uh, but but yeah, again, I mean, I think they need to figure out how to get people in those stores first, and then then maybe throughput will be would become an issue. From one all-American brand to another, Coca-Cola's third quarter revenue was lower than expected. Uh, North American sales continue to decline. And Simon, I don't think there's a person on this planet who thinks that is going to be reversed ever. 
Um, and I get that Coca-Cola's, the majority of their business is outside of North America, but that just seems like um, a problem they're just waiting to export in some ways. Yeah, it seems like we've talked about this story before right. in previous quarters. This is a trend that's that's definitely playing forward for Coca-Cola. Overall volume globally was you know up about 1%, but like you said, flat in North America, down 5% in Europe, but then grew 5% in Asia and Africa. And the product mix was kind of interesting too. Um, you basically saw no growth in the in the sparkling beverage, the, the typical Coca Colas. But then tea and water up four percent, energy drinks are up seven percent. But you know, Coca Cola has always long been thought as kind of a, a bulletproof stock. You know, this is one that you could just hold for for decades and not have to worry about this. But I, you know, it, it's lagging the S and P by about twenty five percent over the last five years. Coca Cola, the wow. stock is. And, and there's two points that I make, you know, looking over kind of the results that we've been seeing here. Uh, first of all, marketing budget really does matter. You know, a company like a, like a Coca-Cola still has got a massive marketing budget on every continent out there uh, on, the, on the globe. And that's one of the reasons that it's been outperforming uh, SodaStream, you know, which is another company that's trying to focus on that carbonated beverage market as well, uh, which is a SodaStream is underperforming the S&P by about 100% over the same five years. But then the second point that I'd like to make real quick is, is true that the macro consumer taste matters even more. You know, you see something like energy drinks and tea and water um, as, as the bastions of hope for this company, but still Coca-Cola is so big, it's bread and butter as a carbonated beverage. And that's why you've seen companies like Monster just taken by storm the last couple of years. And the stock is down more than 5% today. It is the worst one-day drop Coca-Cola has had in about six years. And to go back to Warren Buffett for the second day in a row, you know, when you look at IBM yesterday and today, by the way, IBM down about ten percent in two days, Coca-Cola down today. Those are two of I think the four biggest holdings in the Berkshire Hathaway portfolio. And, uh, and it rains, it pours. Yeah. Well, it's in some ways, isn't it kind of nice to know that even the great Warren Buffett can have a bad day or two as an investor? Hey, all kidding aside, <laughs> I think you make a great point there. I mean, and that's he, he's going to be the first one to come out there and say because also remember he just took it uh, took it on the chin with Tesco too, right? He just yep. he just uh, he's liquidating that interest and he's losing quite a quite a chunk of change on Tesco as well. So between Tesco, Coca Cola, and um, uh, IBM, uh, IBM, I, you know, yeah, he is he is having a, a rough couple of weeks, but but he'll be the first one to jump out there and say, hey, I made a mistake. This is just a, you know, I didn't get it. The one thing I do wonder about, and I haven't I haven't seen um, if anyone has written about this today, is that Buffett came out recently. I'm, I want to say it was last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, and reiterated his confidence in the management team at Coca Cola. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't know. I just, to, to Simon's point about the marketing budget, uh, and we've talked about this before, it's, it's a little bit crazy to me anyway that, that some of these companies seem to go to their marketing departments and, and hand them a blank check. And it seems like a way that you could control costs a little bit, but I don't know. I, I wonder if he feels as good about the management team today as he did. I don't know, because wasn't it Coca-Cola where he abstained from voting on the compensation yeah. package? So, maybe there's something there. I don't know. I mean, and, and to be clear, I think he's held Coca-Cola for for a long time, I believe. And so, I mean, today's today's drop notwithstanding, I'm sure it's still a profitable position oh, for yeah. the company. He's in the now, plus column. IBM, <laughs> I'm not so sure about, because that's still a relatively new position. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what do you, what do you do? I mean, you get in there, you, you've 
you make your investments and you got to you got to roll with the punches, right? I mean, this doesn't mean that these are two impaired businesses that have no chance. They're just having a rough uh, a rough go of it this earnings season. Simon, just to wrap up on Coca-Cola, is there a way, I was going to say is there a way for them to do this, but maybe their question is, would it be smart for Coca-Cola to really try to accelerate what they're doing with tea and water and energy drinks? Because it does seem like when you look at the growth there, even though their bread and butter is Coke and Diet Coke. That's not where the growth is right now. Yep, I agree. I think that's a very good idea, especially if you can start getting that to catch on some of the emerging economies that you're seeing much faster growth than they are here. Um, you can have a blank check of marketing uh, at the end of the day, but you know, let's let's put it in the right places and get the growth to sustain it. Third quarter same store sales for Chipotle came in at 19.8 percent. Let me say that again. <laughs> Third quarter comps up nearly 20% for Chipotle. When we were talking about McDonald's, Jason, you said it's all about the comps. Chipotle's comps up nearly 20%. So why is the stock down 6% today? Oh, Chris. <laughs> Just the. Said the angry shareholder. <laughs> the logic of Mr. Market is, uh, is, is an interesting one indeed. Uh, okay, first and foremost, I mean, yes, this was an utterly phenomenal quarter. Um, Chipotle brought and, and investors in Chipotle today. If you own shares of Chipotle today, don't even look at this sell-off with any any disdain whatsoever. You just, just keep going about your business. Everything okay. is just fine. Okay, um, you know I, it was interesting looking about a week ago or so. I was looking at the expectations that, that were uh, on tap for this earnings uh, call here and. The market, you know, the analysts were estimating they expected 28% top line growth to result in 44% earnings per share growth. Now, those are heady expectations to say the least. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at that thinking, man, that is just no other company out there is, is under the microscope like that with those kinds of expectations. Yet Chipotle just, just waved to those expectations as it flew <laughs> right by them, you know? The one. Point in the release that had the market a little bit down, I think, was just the 2015 guidance. They're guiding for for low to mid digit uh, percentage comps growth. So when you're going from 19.8 percent in pro- in an annual number that's going to be about 17 percent down to 2015, they're seeing five, six, maybe seven percent. I think then you see the market kind of reacting, saying, "All right, well, this is a pretty pretty expensive stock today. It deserves its premium." But if management is predicting that growth is going to slow down that significantly, then whoa, let's you know sit back and reassess here. Now I will say, I mean, I think that management does a very good job of underpromising and overdelivering. I would much rather see them say you know mid single digit comps as opposed to saying, "Oh well, we just see this you know just carrying all over the next year." The 19.8 that was a record. That was the highest highest quarter comps number they've ever turned in as a public company. So yeah, you're right. It was phenomenal, and um, it's only natural that as it grows. The growth starts to slow down a little bit, and and we saw it with Netflix too. I mean, if in fact the growth is slowing down, uh, you know, investors will will bail and reassess. I don't think this affects Chipotle in the least. Um, I'm a shareholder. I I look at this with pleasure because I'd love to add more shares to my position. And if the market's going to be this short sighted, you know, I, I'm I'm okay with that. I mean, they bumped up operating margins. They still have a tremendous amount of room to grow, and management is still. Completely committed to to the success of this business. Well, and you mentioned the expectations that investors should have when it comes to McDonald's, and I think the same can be said for Chipotle. They're just a different set of expectations. They really are. But if they are moving into, because let's be honest, McDonald's would kill 
for 5% comps <laughs> Absolutely they in will. 2015. And I mean, think about that. Negative 3.3% versus 198 on the positive side. I mean, that's a tremendous disparity there. And I think it just shows you that these quick service restaurants, McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's, they are getting the share just taken straight away from them by these concepts like Chipotle and even Panera to a degree. So, Warren Buffett, doesn't need our help in investing. Well, I mean, <laughs> but let's let's offer some help anyway because let's say for the sake of argument that Todd or Ted or or one of his lieutenants is going to him today and saying, "Hey, look, I'm not saying we bail completely on IBM and Coca-Cola, but let's let's pare back some of our holdings. Let's buy something else. What is one stock that you would recommend for Buffett if he picked up the phone and said, "I'm just going to lighten. I'm going to I'm going to reallocate. It's the David Gardner. I'm going to sell my stock when I see a better opportunity." What's a Buffett style investment that he should consider? Jason? I'll be fascinated to see if Simon and I got the same one here because this is you know this is a sealed envelope until we got into the room yes. here. Um, so for me personally, and looking at this, looking the way Buffett invests and the things that matter to him, I would actually recommend Starbucks. I mean, when I think about the things he likes, he loves those repeat sales models, you know, Wrigley's and Mars and all those candy companies, sees candy. So you have a very powerful brand, excellent leadership, repeat sales, global presence. It pays a dividend. There's growth on the horizon. Uh, you know, coffee and tea together. I think there's a uh, you know a tremendous amount of, of uh, tremendous room for growth there. And I just uh, I, I think that that would be a neat holding for him because he could. It's it's a big enough company to where he could plunk a lot of that cash in there. And I think realize a pretty good return on that investment over time. Simon, an excellent choice, Jason. But I had to get outside of the food market here, mostly because I'm getting hungry from talking about Chipotle, McDonald's, <laughs> and that fruit company that we talked about. Um, the company I picked for Buffett, you know, Warren, if you're listening, we know that you like <laughs> dependable cash flows, strong moats, and then a, a minimal amount of risk. And uh, the companies that that I suggested he add to his existing small stake in um, is Mastercard or Visa. Yeah. You know, these are companies that are just getting stronger. There's still the vast majority of transactions in the world, uh, $15 trillion of retail transactions in the world, are done using cash. And, and I think that MasterCard and Visa are getting a step ahead in the mobile payment space. You see them get embedded with Apple Pay. I think they're not going to be as easily disrupted as some might, might believe that they are. I think they've still got plenty of growth in front of them. If we ever got an email from Warren Buffett saying that he listened here, that that's that's the day we just shut this thing down. That was like huge. just drop the mic, yep. and we're done. You're leaving, you're pulling a George Costanza, just leaving on a high note. <laughs> exactly. Uh, as I mentioned before, we've got a special offer on Motley Fool Stock Advisor. You can go to marketfoolery.fool.com to check it out. That's marketfoolery.fool.com. You you can also get it by text. Just text the word fool to the number three eight four seven zero. That's thirty eight forty seven zero. Text the word fool. And we'll send you a link. You can get 75% off Motley Fool Stock Advisor. It's our flagship service. Simon Erickson, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. This show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.